Welcome back to Politically Speaking, Holyrood Magazine's weekly podcast, where you'll get the real rundown of what's going on in Scottish politics. We have the interviews, the gossip, and sometimes the laughs. So please join us. And remember, when anyone tells you they're not interested in politics, you tell them you know a podcast that can help them out with that. And you can also rate or review us on Apple Podcasts. So enjoy. Next week is a grim anniversary, a reminder of the harsh realities that we've all endured over the last 12 months since the first reported coronavirus death in Scotland on March the 13th. The country shut down 10 days later when a stay-at-home order was announced and a year on there have been nearly 7,500 more Scots to lose their lives to this bloody virus. This time last year I was starting to worry a little about my son who was travelling around South America on a gap year. My sisters, one an occupational therapist and one a nurse, were starting to talk about what was happening in the NHS. My mum, in her 80s and housebound, was insisting that her carers should wear face masks. And here in Edinburgh, shops were starting to run out of basics like toilet roll and even pasta. Soon, we were in a different kind of routine. Working from home, children off school, and standing on our doorsteps every Thursday night, catching a rare glimpse of our neighbours while we all clapped in celebration of the NHS. Nurses, doctors, paramedics, care workers, they all became heroes in our eyes. Even the Prime Minister, so appreciative of the care that he received while suffering from Covid, named his newborn son after the nurses that looked after him. Everything that we have done over the last 12 months was about protecting the NHS, making sure that it wasn't overwhelmed and that staff could cope. And cope they did with bells on. Pictures of weary nurses, their faces bruised by wearing PPE, looked out from the pages of our newspapers and their heroic tales of superhuman efforts were retold in countless news bulletins. Every day they continued to care while fearing for their own families, some even paid with their lives. But after all their efforts, nothing quite says, we don't care, like a 1% pay award, which the UK government announced for its NHS nurses earlier this month. And while Scotland is still to announce its final pay settlement during the summer, there is no doubt that nurses must feel like this is a real slap in the face. If they're not appreciated at a time like this, then when? To add insult to injury, 2020 was ironically not just the year of COVID, but also International Year of the Nurse a time when we should have been recognising their value. Susan Aitkenhead, a nurse herself for over 33 years, took up the post of Director of the Royal College of Nursing Scotland just last month, and amid this maelstrom of emotional outpouring for our NHS and those that work within it, butted right up against the harsh reality of restrained public purse spending, I started asking her how plans for International Year of the Nurse were derailed by COVID. Susan, it strikes me that um, 2020 was meant to be International Year of the Nurse and Midwife, and of course it was, but not quite the year that everybody was expecting. No, definitely not. Um, And and the amount of planning uh, that we had been doing for really showcasing the profession uh, to to show the fantastic roles and, and, and work that the nurses do, uh, it became a, a very different year for that, uh, and, and and the pandemic has been absolutely awful, you know, really really dreadful. But one of the things that it, it has done is is shone that light on on nursing as a profession, 
and, and really demonstrated um, quite visibly to uh, the public, uh, to you know, the other professions, to, to governments uh, nationally and internationally, the, the fantastic work that, that nurses do. I think for lots of people, um, it's been a time of reflection and, and they've changed about direction, even in jobs and things. You took up your new role as the Scotland Director for the Royal College on the 1st of February this year. I mean, was the impact of the pandemic any part of that decision? Well, I, I'm, as, you, as you can tell, I've been working in England for many years, but I'm, I am Scottish trained, educated and have worked in Scotland for, for many years too, and, and was very keen to, to return. I, and I, I, I was keen to return to a job that I could really make a difference in. And, and I think that the pandemic, obviously, as I said before, has, has shone that light on the profession and, and showed what we what we really bring to the table. So I was delighted when this post uh, was, was advertised and, and, and even more delighted when I was appointed. And b- before that, you were a deputy chief nursing officer in England. What, what has that involved, particularly in the last year, but also bringing to bear on your decision making about coming home? So my previous post was was working uh, across England. Uh, I was uh, my portfolio consisted of a collective leadership approach and embedding that to make sure that all nurses' voices were heard and, and, and listened to, and that they could all make a difference, no matter um, what you do, where you work, you know what role you have. And, and I think this became a very important part of the pandemic as as well, that uh, it was clear as to what nurses did and, and the role of the profession in the pandemic as, as well. And as I said earlier, really shone that light. So I, I think that um, having having done that and having uh, having learned how to give nurses a really strong voice, how to help them influence, how to help them share the work that they do with, with other nurses uh, and, and spread good practice, uh, and, and even more importantly, really stand up uh, when they're not able to always practice effectively without uh, questioning or re- uh, having to change things, whether it's uh, questioning, uh, you, you know, those senior to them that they work within maybe management rules or, or even the government, uh, that, that ability and, and that learning from my previous post as to how to support nurses was, was really important and one that I thought I could really bring across to this role is, as well, which is obviously a, a huge part of it. I mean, obviously, the pandemic, as terrible as it is and is still, um, it has shone a light on the work, the tremendous work that nurses do, and people were out on their doorsteps clapping for the NHS. Do you feel that nurses have got the recognition that they needed? I, th- I think at the start of the pandemic, uh, they were being recognised for what they were doing because I think it was so new, so shocking to public and, and the pictures from the media were, were having a huge impact on, on that. Um, and I think they were understanding the hours and, and the stress uh, that nurses were, were undergoing. And, and also because they couldn't get in to see their loved ones, whether it was in their final moments or, or even just when they were unwell. And, and that really hitting home and being something quite, quite different to, to what MD had experienced before, that there was a, a lot of appreciation then. And, and we saw that with, with the clapping on the doorsteps. I think there's been a bit of fatigue perhaps has set in over the past um, few months 
and and I think that um, perhaps uh, it's become a bit more business as usual. People have perhaps become, in, in some cases, not all, but in, in some, but desensitised to seeing the pictures on the media now. Uh, so I, I think perhaps the that that has has taken a bit of a, a step back, sadly, and and perhaps that value um, is not so well recognised now. It's become a bit as, as as business as usual, as I said. Yeah, I remember seeing an interview with some nurses and they were talking about the the difficulties just on a personal level of having to cope with the number of deaths that they were dealing with, that this was not something that they were used to. I mean, is that something that has concerned you about how staff then um, cope with that? Absolutely. I mean, this is not something that we've ever, ever seen before at this scale. And, and even really experienced nurses who have worked in areas such as palliative care, you know, end of life care um, and emergency departments, when you can see some awful things and on a daily basis, um, you know, from a trauma perspective and, and really have been quite used to that, have, have been on their knees and in tears at the end of shifts with just the relentlessness of it. Um, the, the number of deaths that they've seen. And I think also the fact that they've had to make some really hard choices at times as, as well because they've, they've had so much to do um, and, and everyone's been just as important. And the complexity of the care, even the way that patients were being nursed, particularly in the first wave, if they were being um, ventilated and, and had to be nursed on, on their front because it was discovered that that was, was the best way to do it. And, and even the kind of physicality of, of looking after patients in this really complicated way was, was very, very hard. So not only the psychological aspects of it, but the physical aspects of it, the, the difficulty of having to work with wearing really heavy, uncomfortable um, equipment that, you know, you could hardly see out of at times, um, you know, because you were so hot and perspiring. Um, the, the marks it had on people's faces, which I'm sure you saw in the media as, as well, if it's just even something to go and get a refreshment or, or a toilet break, having to, you know, take off all that equipment and, and in a certain way and, and then, you know, go and then come back and, and do it all again as, as well. Really awful, really exhausting um, and, and, and very traumatic way of working as, as well. So the scale, as I said, of nothing we've ever seen before. And I think that actually the impact uh, we, we will still see for many years and actually a lot more to come as well. I think there's a bit of a tsunami uh, coming up of, of, of nurses really when we go back to whatever the new normal looks like, that it may then start to hit people then as to what they've been through. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing amid all of that, Susan, is that we were all just learning about this virus. So, you know, they weren't immune from perhaps being frightened as well. Exactly. And if you recall in, in wave one, when it did hit, there was still a lot of learning on a day by day basis. Uh, and, and of course, uh, many unanswered questions. And, and these nurses were going in extremely bravely to look after patients, that duty of care to their patients and, and not putting themselves first, putting their patients first and their families, all, all these patients first to make sure they could give the care uh, that they deserved. So of, of course there was anxiety as, as well as these nurses balancing exactly the same um, challenges that everyone else is balancing around having some members of their family unwell, um, shielding, uh, financial worries, you know, every single thing that everyone else was, was struggling with at that time, nurses were going through 
but still going out to work and, and, and giving, you know, more than 100% to look after their patients. How does that make you feel? Uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you're a nurse for 33 years. Uh, how does that make you feel about your profession? I feel very proud of my profession. Um, I, I think that, uh, as, as you know, I've said that the, the pandemic has, has shone a light on the profession. I've always been very proud of the profession. I think of what we a lot of what we've done before has been quite invisible. We tend to be quite bad at, at kind of, um, you know, showing that what we do. Um, and I think this has has done it. But um, I, I think that there's a lot even has not been recognised uh, as as to how much profession has done. Uh, and I think, it, as I say, the impact on nurses uh, who have already been, you know, working in, in areas that have been short staffed, um, they've been uh, under recognised, undervalued, uh, you know, have have gone in and put everything to one side and and done what they had to do and and beyond that. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, that this was a profession that was already feeling pressures, um, perhaps feeling undervalued. And I, I, I wonder what kind of support nurses themselves were getting during this time. So I think uh, nurses were supporting each other as, as well as, as their other colleagues as well. And, and you know, we work in multi-professional teams and, and I, I don't think that, that should be forgotten uh, nurses are, are the largest component of, of the kind of um, healthcare workforce so um you know the, the numbers are, are much higher and and i think that um we're, we're very used to supporting each other and, and learning from each other um i, I think that uh, again we were working through as to what that support looked like and, and at the start possibly because it was just relentless um, that probably was further down the priority list than, than it, it could have been. And, and I think as we move forward, we, we saw particularly when we knew the next wave was, was coming up that um, nurses were anxious about it because they'd already been through it. They knew what was to come. Um, and, and I think then that uh, it, it, was, it was much clearer as to the fact that, that actually some professional help was required as, as well for anxiety, uh, for increased mental health um, challenges and, and some PTSD that we've already seen as well. And, and we expect that there's there's more of this to, to follow. Um, I think also to make sure when you're working in, in, in the equipment that we were having to work in, that there's proper refreshment breaks, that people were keeping hydrated, that they were able to take their breaks. Um, and, and also they were able to take leave. And, and, and many, particularly in the first wave, were not taking leave because they knew the amount of work that had to be done and, and were selflessly putting themselves um, in, in front of it and, and, and not really thinking about themselves. And, and, and also we saw the most, the you know, biggest sacrifice that many nurses could give around the, uh, the whole of, of the UK and internationally was that many nurses have also sadly and tragically caught the virus and died themselves. Well, and that's just been shocking. And I guess the other bit of that for me is that a nurse is the last people to actually ask for help. I think sometimes uh, nurses can be um, quite bad about asking for help. But I think what the pandemic, particularly in the second wave, has shown is that there is absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about at all. It's not a sign of weakness. Is actually a sign of, of strength and, and to understand and to reflect and to understand yourself as a professional when, when you do need some support and help that, that you should ask for it. Um, and it actually does 
make a huge difference. Uh, and, and if you don't ask for it, the consequences of that long term are, are really awful. Uh, and, and it should be encouraged and it should be supported by um, employers that their their um, workforces feel that it's not detrimental um, to asking for help. It's actually a, a sign of strength. I mean, actually, Susan, that's, I guess, one of the positives to pull out. And I've been struck as we've been doing a number of these conversations with different professions about some of the positives that can be pulled out of this terrible um, tragedy. Are there any other things that strike you that are positive that have come from this? I think, as I said before, that it has shown that light on what the profession does. Um, you know, nursing as, as a profession, as a kind of you know, 21st century profession, is, is where nurses are degree educated. So when they um, exit their training, they exit at degree level. I think it's shown um, the acuity and complexity of, of the patients that they care for and, and that's across all sectors it's not just in hospital um, which I think most people kind of uh, recognize from, from some of the media pictures you know nurses have looked after patients in care homes for example who have been you know really uh, unwell very complex lots of, of comorbidities that they, they have as, as well um, nurses looking after patients that are frail that have dementia confused you know trying to to, to look after them in, in the middle of a pandemic with social distancing and, and equipment having to be used, even masks on, on faces for, for patients who don't understand that. And, and that includes, you know, children as, as well. Um, nurses in the community who have, have kept, uh, you know, uh, patients at home as, as well and looked after them safely, you know, right across the country and, and right in every single sector. Uh, I think that the complexity and, and the level of care uh, that has been given has, has been recognised more as, as well. And, and I think we, we've recently seen with um, the, the, the data of those that are applying to become nurses to, to join the profession has increased too. So, so that's been very um, a, a positive, that, that, that show uh, career itself and, and what it offers as a career has, has been uh, made more visible too. I mean, I've been very, very fortunate in the career that I've had and the opportunities as a nurse that has opened up to me. And, and I think that, you know, the opportunity to, to show that um, to the wider public and, and, and particularly, um, you know, uh, people that are at school, at school leavers who might be thinking, what do I do as a career? And weren't quite sure what, what nursing offered, that that has, has been a positive too. And I think just generally positioning us as leaders as, as well uh, and, and showing um, you know, what, what we can do and, and the care that we deliver right across the system has, has also been an opportunity for us to showcase that a bit more as, as well. However, the downside is, you know, according to your own survey, that there's been this big rise in the number of people who are in the profession and wanting to leave. And I think the survey says 38% of members reported that they were thinking of leaving the profession. I mean, that must be a big concern. Yes, and it's been a concern for, for several years now. And, and as you know, I said earlier, um, you know, during this pandemic, nurses were already overstretched, uh, they were stressed, there was many vacancies um, and, and quite demoralised as, as, as well about um, feeling undervalued. So uh, we are aware of the number of nurses that were previously wanting to leave and, and now those nurses who um, have, have really given their all, have gone way beyond that and, and are actually exhausted, stressed, 
and, and still feeling undervalued uh, may now be considering actually it's, it's time to go. They may have thought if the pandemic hadn't happened that they may have, have worked on for a few more years, but they, they are so exhausted now mentally and physically. Um, we are fully aware that many of them feel that actually it, it's, it's probably not worth it. We'll, we'll just kind of leave, which is very, very sad. How would you try and persuade them to say to stay, Susan? Well, I think to try and, and help um, retain our staff, and, and as I said before, you know the student part is incredibly important, and bringing in um, new colleagues into the workforce is incredibly important as well. But retention is just as important, if, if not more, at times, because we have got a cohort of well, um, you know, educated, highly qualified, experienced staff. And, and we want to hold on to these staff, you know, that these that's the most important thing that the, the NHS and, and other sectors have in the delivery of health and care is your workforce and you want to hold on to them. And to do that, we need to look after them. We need to show they're valued. Um, we need to uh, pay them at what they're worth um, and we need to ensure their terms and conditions are good terms and conditions as, as well so that they've got enough annual leave, they've got proper breaks um, and, and they're cared for as, as well. There's been a lot of research done, you know, for many years, way before the pandemic that shows if you've got happy staff, you've got happy patients as, as well. And, and we need to really value our workforce. Um, and, and certainly not take them for granted as, as well. And, and you know, as, as we've already touched on, the clapping was great. Everybody could really see the value and, and appreciated um, staff at, at the start of the pandemic. But that has certainly moved away um, quite a bit over the last few months. And, and we need to really make them feel that they are valued and appreciated, uh, as they quite rightly should be. And of course, last week, the UK government um, announced a 1% pay increase for um, NHS staff, for nurses. I mean, did that not just feel like a slap in the face? We were extremely disappointed and, and actually quite angry about that. And as we know, pay is a political decision. And our members felt that having given you know, more than 100 percent and what they've done over the pandemic and previously as well um that they, they deserved uh, more than more than the offer so huge disappointment uh, as, as we have we've said now you've obviously joined the rcn not only during uh sorry well taking over the, the role um in scotland during the pandemic but also as we head into an election what are your priorities going into that and do you hope to get more for your members here so our priorities that we've launched recently in our manifesto are around what i've already touched on around valuing the nursing workforce um, we want a sustainable future for, for health and care services as, as well and, and we also want to tackle inequalities and, and one of the other highest priorities we have is, is around um, staffing for safe and effective care and and the reason that um, also that nurses become very angry about the, the pay offer is that they know that we require um, safe and, and, and uh, 
your full staffing levels and the vacancies that we've had before, which we've uh, already commented on, um, are, are unacceptable and we need to make sure that safe staffing is the highest priority. Um, and to bring nurses into the profession and to keep them there, then terms and conditions are inextricably linked to this too. If we don't have nursing recognised as a safety critical profession and that the nursing levels reflect that, then it makes very, very difficult to deliver that safe and effective care. And as, as we know, more and more nurses will, will leave as, as well. I mean, Susan, it seems incredible that at a time like this, when we do all you would think have recognised the value of nurses, that 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 kind of pay award was even thought sensible. Well, I, I think, as, as we've said uh, quite publicly, it's very uh, disappointing and, and our members are very angry about it as, as well. It, it does seem at, at this time when they have gone well beyond and, and the care that they've delivered and, and they're absolutely on their knees, um, they're exhausted, demoralised, that to feel that their value is, is recognised at that level is, is just, just seems uh, absolutely awful. Do you think there's a point where there's a, a belief, if you like, that people that go into nursing do it for the love of it and that, that almost that becomes, they get taken advantage of because of that? I, I think that there is this, um, this use of the word vocation which um, sometimes mm -hmm. is translated to, and, and sometimes it's quite gender related as, as well. There's been quite a lot of research has, has been done around that. Um, but it's as if that it's, it's something that people do because they feel the need within them. Now, nursing is, is a value-based, compassionate profession. It certainly is. But it's also, as I said earlier, it's a degree exit um profession. Uh, most nurses will also have their masters. Many, many have got their doctorates now as, as well, working in a highly complex um, field of, of, of health and, and care. And, and that requires to be um, recognised as well. It also is a career. Um, and in the 21st century, as, as a modern career, that also has to be recognised, particularly when you look at the myriad of, of choices that particularly school leavers have. And, and we need to demonstrate that as well. And, and what the career offers um, in, in many, many sectors and, and the opportunities it gives as, as well. So I think that um, not decrying in, in the slightest that you do require to have empathy, compassion and, and very much that values-based approach as, as well to be a good nurse but it's also a very complicated uh, and you require to be well educated to, to be able to, to deliver the care that uh, is, is required on a daily basis to and an exciting and modern career. What would you say to um, a girl or a boy that was thinking right now of should nursing be something that I think about? What would what would you transmit about your own um, passion, if you like, that you've enjoyed about this? I've been so lucky with my career. Um, it's opened up so many opportunities to me, um, as, as well as being a clinician. I've been able to to work. Um, in, in policy roles and in, in government and really influence and, and um, translate um, that clinical uh, work into to policy. Um, I've been fortunate to be able to 
practice overseas and, and work in, in different countries as, as well. Um, and, I've, and the job that I'm doing just now is as well. You know, it, it opens up so many opportunities. Uh, there's absolutely hundreds and hundreds of, of, of roles that you can do as, as a nurse. And I think it's a, a really exciting and modern career um, for all genders as well. And, and I think that it's it's not always recognised the, the opportunities that it can bring and, and the different sectors and organisations that you can work in as, as well. But it's, it's one of, I would say, the very few roles that you can, you know, you can translate into so many different jobs. I mean, when you look at what's happened over the last year, care homes in particular have um, had a real spotlight shone on them. What do you think should happen there in terms of raising the bar of people understanding the professionalism that is required to be dealing with that group of people? I think um, a lot of families now are starting to recognise that the work that's done in care homes as well, and and, and you know the pandemic has, has also showed that that you know elderly people with many uh, complex illnesses and conditions are, are looked after in, in care homes and um, and and looked after very safely and and very well. I think that. Uh, because of, of this complexity, the nurses looking after them have to be highly educated, just, just, just the same skills and competences that you require to look after patients, you know, in the community and hospitals as well. It also is, is the same for, for care homes too. Um, we have got people living much longer now, so these multiple conditions are, are increasing. Um, and, and, and with that comes the, the care that's required too. Um, I, I think that the recent Philly report uh, that has, has been published is, is certainly uh, something that we're, we're really interested in working with decision makers around that because we think that the role of the nurse in that is, is really key and the opportunity to make sure that that nursing leadership um, and, and the practice is, is really central to that work as, as well. I think that the social care reform that will come out of that is, is also really a huge opportunity to make sure that we've got the right number of staff with the right skills and, and, and where they're needed to, to really help address the issues uh, with the skill mix that we know is required in residential care as, as well. Do you think the idea, I mean, there's a lot of talk about it now, about a national care service. Do you think that that would be a step forward? So I'm not quite sure what that would actually translate into, but it's certainly something that we're very interested in hearing about. And we would be really um, very vocal as well about the nursing role in that uh, from, from a leadership perspective to, to ensure that um, the, the role of nurses is understood and embedded uh, you know, in, in all areas of, of that. But I think it's clear that it wouldn't uh, work without nursing. Uh, and, and the roles that nurses do within that space. It's quite interesting that just um, obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of rhetoric if you like talked and people keep saying they support a national care service but quite rightly as you say it'd be interesting to know what that translates to in terms of detail. Yes I think that's important to know what the detail is and also how it, the synergies with um, the NHS care that's delivered is, as well we know that the patient journey um, should be just one journey because the patient uh, and their family 
this frank, frankly doesn't care as to where budgets sit or um, you know kind of boundaries etc cetera, etc cetera. they just want the best care to be delivered to their family member uh, quite rightly and also for it to be as as, as easy and, and simple as possible for you know for not having lots and lots of people involved answering the same questions all the time about people's needs and, and their their illnesses and, and their uh, you know, comorbidities it, that doesn't make any difference to, to the patient or the family all they want is the best care delivered um, in, in the most straightforward way so uh, you know anything that needs to be looked at we, we need to think about that as, as well and that patient journey needs to be um, the best quality it can be uh, and, and make sense to the patient and their family. And obviously we've spent a lot of time, Susan, uh, talking about the pandemic because it's been the biggest thing to hit us all. What what would you like us to be discussing if we were sitting having this conversation this time next year? I think I would like uh, to be really pleased that nursing has been seen to be valued as a profession and um and, and pay in terms of condition that have reflected that. I, I think I would um, be delighted to see that nurses have been able to have a proper rest and decompress um, before we move into the next stage of um, the recovery work uh, that requires to be done. Um, that nurses have had time to, to recover, both physically and, and psychologically. Um, that the manifesto asks that we have around particularly the safe staffing, that we've seen that the uh, safe staffing, the Health and Care Staffing Act has been um, implemented in, in this year so that we can make sure that uh, the duty placed on, on the NHS and social care providers um, to make sure that at all times they're suitably qualified and, and competent staff uh, working in, in the right numbers uh, to ensure safe and effective care is in place as, as well. Um, I would be delighted if the working environment was, was also uh, improved for, for all staff um, and that staff were able to, to work in um, somewhere that was safe. Uh, they were able to have refreshments and, and, and really feel valued and, and looked after by their employers too. And also that uh, the recognition of, of nursing as a profession and the opportunities that it brings uh, had, had, had also been raised too. Susan, the First Minister's talked about the fact that she has been changed by this pandemic and she obviously has been dealing with the sharp end that perhaps she wouldn't have had before the pandemic. Has it changed you? I think it's changed everybody. I think there'd be very few people that it hasn't changed. Um, I think it has impacted on everyone, hasn't it? From new ways of working to just the, the absolute awfulness of, of, of what um, you either see from a, a, your own personal view, if you've had any family members that have been unwell or, or friends. Um, and, and I think even just the the sheer relentlessness of, of all over the past year and, and what we've seen from the media is as well. And, and also what um, I, I've seen my own colleagues and, and my own profession do is, as well um, has made me extremely proud uh, of, of what we've achieved. And so I, I think, as I say, every single person has been changed by this. 
I, and, and will continue to be as we go forward as, as well into what the new normal might look like. I don't think things will ever be quite the same again. Um, some positive that we've managed to do, um, that we've managed to do things uh, much more quickly at times and the bureaucracy has, has disappeared miraculously. Um, and, and other things that have not been, um, that we'd not want to hold on to as, as well, that um, decisions that were taken uh, just for during that specific emergency period as, as well. And, and I think it'd be really important that we do look at that learning and we look at what we do want to hold on to, but we also look at what we don't. And then the unintended consequences that have, have also happened um, from, from the pandemic uh, that we, we understand more about them too. Are you optimistic for the future? I am optimistic for the future. Um, I think that from the professional perspective, I think there's a lot of opportunities. Um, I think it will take us a, a while to, to recover from this. Um, so I'm, I'm realistically uh, positive. Um, but I, I do think that we need to make sure that we have realistic expectations of the profession as well um, going forward and that they are human as everyone else is and that they need some recovery time too. They need to decompress, um, they need to recharge their batteries, and, and they need to, to um, really have time to do that as, as well. Um, nurses may have seemed at times superhuman in some of that's been achieved, and actually you can, you can see why, but they do need time to recover from this as, as well. And, and people need to understand that. So very positive about the, the profession going forward. Um, and, and the, the understanding of what we've achieved and how we build on that is as well, but realistic too. As someone much greater than I said, a week is a very long time in politics. And believe me, I know Scottish politics is never boring. So don't leave it long. Make sure you come back and join us on Politically Speaking. And remember that you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And do tell your friends because everybody has an interest in politics.